So yeah, I started taking this chlamydia medication the other day, and I just, I can't stop liquid shitting, dude, like every fucking 20 minutes. It's Gross. like, um, is there any corn coming out? No, it's just straight, it's Actually, like, it's just corns? liquid, dude, it's like almost water. Are you rolling? Hey, hey, everybody! Hey, Welcome to another episode of the Spilt Milk Podcast. Uh, you know, this is where we tell you strange, exciting, but most importantly, 100% true stories from around the world. This week, we're going to be looking at Ken Rex McElroy. The fish that got too big for Skidmore. Yeah, big fish in a little pond. And uh, yeah, you end up getting too big. So uh, Skidmore, it's a small town in Missouri. It uh, definitely lives up to its name. More skids there than fucking downtown Toronto. I'm telling you right now. Oh, man, it's I don't miss brutal. it at all. Uh, you know, to downtown Toronto. It, it was a town... All. Current day is only about 250 people. Uh, when this story took place in the mid 60s to early 80s, there's only about there's about 400 people. You know, so a pretty small town. Uh, and Ken Rex, he pretty much terrorized this town. He he ran it from you know the early 60s until the early 80s. But uh, this episode, it's not all about Ken Rex McElroy's crimes. This episode's more about vigilante justice and a whole town of people who knew the golden rule. It's almost like, you know, Children of the Corn, but, you know, I can, okay. This okay, is like we're more gonna like get adult to, of the corn, because yeah, there's all adult adults, corn. but. Okay, okay, think about it. Like, we're going we're gonna to get to that scene, and then I want I want to fully put that that image in your mind. Okay, we're going to get to it. And Imagine we'll it Children of the Corn, but adults. Yeah. But back to my point, it's about a bunch of adults who knew. A whole town that knew the golden rule. It's almost, snitches yeah, yeah, yeah. Snitches. get stitches. And also, yeah, it almost seems like Stephen King wrote this whole story without the whole, you know, you know, paranormal part of it. This is that, yeah, no, to me it's a super interesting story. I'm, I'm excited to cover this one. This is something I've wanted to do for a little while here. So, uh, okay, let's get into it. Ken Rex McElroy. Looks like it's spelled McElroy, but uh, every documentary I watch, the... The locals all say McElroy, so we're going to go with that for the, rest of the, for the rest of the episode. So Ken Rex McElroy was born in 1934. He was the 15th of 16 children. Thank God for IUDs, whatever it was called. Uh, yeah, IUDs, improvised, birth control. unexplosive device. Yeah, so you don't Thank explode God. in a lady. Oh. That's what they're made for. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So from an early age... <laughs> I'm learning new shit today. From an early age, Ken had to fight and take what was his due to his massive family. You know, things were hard in the 30s, and having 14 other siblings, you know, it meant food and clothing was scarce. Especially, uh, they're all older, man. Yeah, exactly. He was the 15th, so he was almost the youngest. I know kids growing up with one older brother, and that was hell enough. Imagine having, you know, what was it, like nine, ten other older brothers. So, yeah. you know, he, he for, from a very young age, he was learning to fight and take what was his. And uh, by 15, in the 8th grade, he dropped out, and he started his, you know, career as a criminal. Yeah, you know... Uh, completely understandable like come on man you're completely forgotten you're the last kid you know what i mean exactly times are tough there's no economy there's no hope for a job and back then it was way easier to get away with crimes too oh for sure there was no cameras there's no dna they didn't know about fingerprints fuck you could almost do whatever you want yeah like a giant fucking this is you know monk like piece of meat like this guy can probably get away with a lot of shit you can get away with a lot of shit we forget because this doesn't feel like that long ago but this isn't really that long like, after the Wild West. This is only, like, you know, 40, 40 years yeah. or so after the Wild Wild West where and, there was no law. Yeah. So things in, in some places in America, it was still violent. Uh, so. When he was uh, 18 years old, a steel slab fell on Kent's head, causing severe head trauma. 
head injuries at a young age or something we see a lot with serial killers and ken was not one at all no he only killed he actually never really killed anybody i don't think throughout his whole career well as that we know of he sure yeah well that we know of he sure as all tried but But, uh by any means it's believed to be a cause of a lot of his violent behavior he was known to be a raccoon hunter very young so he never learned the value of life he just you know i'm just gonna hunt these fucking yeah exactly you know like from a young age he he had the head trauma he was killing small animals it's it's just it's signs of psychopathy, a hundred percent, right? So, 100%. you know, it's it's lucky he didn't kill a lot of people, but that's not saying that he did again, anything good. Again, that life. we know of, and I'm not here to like yeah. say you know like maybe he did, but yeah, we don't know. After this, Ken he continued to live a life of crime. Um, we're not gonna, you know, we don't have time to get into everything he's done, so we're gonna skip over to 1974. By this time, he was 40 years old. And he decided to marry a 14-year-old girl named Trina McLeod. Uh, you know, Ken, actually, over this whole time, he fathered 10 children with... I think he had five different wives. But, he, yeah, he fathered 10 children with different women. He had and, a vasectomy, uh, dude, you know, bro. He, he met this 14-year-old girl. He, he used to pick her up from school. Uh, people right away, they knew that this was trouble. But, again, the town of Skidmore, they were pretty scared of Ken Rex at this time. What was he like, so, uh... Over six feet something. He was six something, you know, close to three hundred pounds. So he was a fairly large man, and uh, but yeah, man, the he would is, hit the roof of our fucking you know basement suite. You know, a, a resident said that you never hear once of Ken Rex getting into a fist fight though, because yeah. Ken Rex he always brought a gun. He We're talking about like rural, like small town America in like the early sixties, mid sixties. So uh, everybody had a hunting so rifle in their car. A big motherfucker that always ended up having a gun. That always ended up having a gun. Yeah. So when he was forty years old, he met fourteen-year-old Trina McLeod. You know, he started picking her from school, started romancing her. Um, he then proposed marriage to her. Uh, the parents, of course were pretty reluctant. They did not want to give away their daughter to, you know, a known fucking criminal, pretty much. By this time, he was known around town for a thieving, uh, burglary. He would steal people's livestock. Um, and for a small-town farmer, losing a whole cow or something, like, it is. It's a pretty it's a pretty big hit. Yeah. So, so yeah, they definitely weren't down. So, Ken, as he does, he's a master of intimidation. In order to take the girl's hand in marriage, he goes over to the family house, kills the family dog, shoots it, and then continues... Yeah, really fucking sad. And then he continues to burn down their house. He burnt it to the ground. The family ended up pressing charges, but he basically bullied Trina into marrying him. He took her out of state where it was legal for him to marry her. He did, and then, you know, as a common law, she couldn't... um, you know, she couldn't continue with the charges. I'm not sure exactly how the law worked, but pretty much he, he wormed his way out of that one. Uh, you know. And then years later, he had this girl so brainwashed, she she claimed the fire was due to faulty wiring. And it's clear as day, guys, that it's Stockholm Syndrome. That's why she was defending him after, and we'll we'll get into that after. Yeah, like she, he had her brainwashed 100%. Because, yeah, she, she defends him. If you watch these interviews, I actually... To be honest, I fucking hate this lady. She defends him to the death. Saying, I, that's I the no thing, idea. though. Like when I, I see her, I feel I, it's more. I feel bad for her more than anything because it's just she is so like it's almost yeah. okay. Like if you think about it, it's a fourteen year old with a forty year old man. He kind of raised her in a certain kind of way. Yeah. Like in his 
his lifestyle and the way he does things. Exactly. Yeah. No. And you're right. You know, he, he had her from such a young age that, you know, 14 years old, that's a crazy, uh, you know, like formulative period in someone's life. So what you learn at that age kind of sticks with you for a while. Uh, the interviews we see with her, she's, you know, uh, I believe this is like, uh, what is it? Like eight years later. So she's in her mid twenties by this point, but still, um, you know, she defends him to the death and it's wrong because there's, there's so much evidence against this guy. Clearly, he, he was always causing trouble. I mean, she probably got a little bit of some, some after you know, he died. Oh, yeah. I've, well, I hope she got something. Cause... Yeah, but after that kind of life. On July 27th, 1976, local farmer Romaine Henry found Ken firing guns on his farm. The audacity. Yeah, small town with life is so weird. Like, just drive up. And he, yeah, he understandably challenged Ken, saying, you know, hey, don't shoot guns on my farm. I mean, like, that's kind of like common sense. Fair enough. If someone's shooting guns on my front lawn, they'd probably say, please stop. Ken retaliated by shooting Romaine in the stomach with a shotgun. Like, okay, well, I mean, you could have just walked off and just gone to your farm, your land, you know? You should know Ken by now. He doesn't do that. No, he he clearly doesn't think. Luckily, Romaine survived and charged Ken Rex McElroy with assault with intent to kill. Unluckily, Ken was no stranger to criminal charges and was an absolute master at getting out of them. And actually, you know what? Okay, you know what? I don't want to give him credit. His lawyer was an absolute master. His lawyer was good too, yeah. And it's funny in the interview how he says, uh, I guess how he met his lawyer, he walked into the office and explained his situation. And, you know, Ken Rex, he, he's, a, he's a typical, like, farm, small-town guy. He look, he kind of looks like shit, you know? Yeah. And, and the lawyer, Cockley, goes, uh, Oh, sir, I don't think you can afford me. I'm quite expensive. And I guess Ken just pulls out a wad of cash, elastic band around it, and goes, I'll be the judge of that. And the lawyer goes, Well, sir, you hired yourself a defense team. <laughs> so, well, why he had a huge wad of cash... Probably from his life of crime. It just goes to show that, you know, Trina Pry was lying. But, yeah, it was kind of cute. Cute little story I found. And um, also, not just, you know, thinking about the lawyer. You know, he did a lot of intimidation tactics. He parked outside Roman Henry's house over 100 times while waiting trial. Yeah. This guy had nothing much to do, you know? He had money, you know? He had... Yeah. What the fuck was he doing with all his time? Him and his wife would park out this guy's house all the time. They did, they did it to a lot of people, too, because even before this, okay, McElroy was indicted on 21 criminal charges and never actually getting charged with any of them except for the last one. So he got out of this 20 times, 20 fucking times by intimidating witnesses, uh, bribing, all, all kinds of stuff. Like it's he, almost, yeah, you know, it seems like the justice system is very, you know, inept in this part of town exactly well, the to be honest very flawed i find yeah because well, i think clearly i think it's in most most places but yeah if you you can literally see how inept a justice system can be yeah. in a small town when you know this guy who has a bunch of money he can flaunt it he has guns he's a bully he's a straight up bully and you know what this ends up biting him in the ass mm-hmm. it, it bites him in the ass hard because uh the townspeople eventually, you know, they, they have enough. But they have enough, but that's foreshadow, foreshadow, foreshadow. Oh, foreshadow, foreshadow. Okay. So, you know, we're gonna get back to just Romaine Henry's trial. He brought he brought two raccoon hunters who testified he was with them that day, and there was no way he could have committed the crime. 
despite Romaine sitting there with a massive gunshot wound to his belly. Well, I mean, like, how did he get that, right? Yeah, like, he did it to himself and tried to frame him. Like, yeah. no, like, he was obviously shot in the stomach with a fucking shotgun, of all things. So, so yeah, before we get into that, though, uh, anything else? No? You um, know what? Before we get into that, I think, I think we just need a word from our uh, sponsors here. Okay, sounds good. Let's get into it. This week's episode of the Spilt Milk Podcast is brought to you by Baby Cafe. After the recent success of businesses such as cat and dog cafes, we thought, hey, what's one step cuter than that? You can now drop by the baby cafe and spend some time with an adorable laughing infant, and you get to give the little bastard back when you're done. All the cuteness of having your own baby, but none of the commitment. All of our babies are ethically sourced and free-range, meaning they're raised in an environment almost identical to their natural habitat, and they're able to roam free 18 hours a day. Call today and make an appointment. Background check required. So, in 1980, one of McElroy's children was caught stealing from a general store owned by Bo and Lois Bowenkamp. And this this is an elderly couple. At this time, Bo was like 70 years old. So, he's quite an older man. Much up. And, uh, you know, as Ken was so famous for doing, after he accused uh, one of the McElroy's of stealing, Ken started stalking and harassing the Bowenkamps. Once again, parking outside their house, verbally abusing, threatening them, you know, just making their life total hell. Just total hell. You know, they said they, they would go to bed scared, they would wake up scared, every day was just awful. Well, one day, Ken even took it a step farther, took it really fucking too far, because once again, he confronted Bo out back his shop with a shotgun and shot him in the neck. Yeah. You know, I, I gotta have to, I, I gotta, I think, you know, he's kind of scared of killing people, because he... Doesn't kill this person as well. Well, yeah, he's either scared or he's just not good at it. You know, he's good at getting out of trouble, but he, yeah, he's not good at killing because this it's, is his second. Maybe he has this like he, maybe he's so big and his hip is so misaligned that yeah. he kind of leans to one side, and that's why he never. It's like, like Quasimodo. Actually... It's like Quasimodo trying to fucking hunt something. Like, you know? like all you gotta do is shoot directly towards yeah. the person with the shotgun. That, you know? Well, hey, that being said. I've never shot at anybody with a gun, but I imagine it'd be easy. I imagine you point, you fucking squeeze the trigger. I mean, with a shotgun, man, this is Ooh, yeah, that, that spread that spread that spread damage. But no, and yeah, even in the neck too. That's the craziest thing. Is this seventy-year-old <laughs> man survived a shotgun wound to the neck? So, uh, you know, once again, McElroy was arrested. This time on charges of attempted murder. Uh, you know, unfortunately, though, to the town's dismay. He was released on a $40,000 bond and it was soon back in the streets of Skidmore. The lawyer who was prosecuting him, and we don't have the name because, you know, we're kind of amateurs at this shit. But he said this was the best way to get him charged for, what, two years or something like that? Yeah, he was going to serve very little time. Way, so, way less time than you should so attempt trying to kill him. Yeah, attempted bodily harm or something. I think that's what mm -hmm. it was. And, um, yeah, he They was... tried a self-defense defense saying that Bo pulled a knife on him but really what are the chances that a 70 year old man pulled a knife and tried to attack like we said a monster of a fucking human being who was in his what like mid 40s so you know yeah not um, in his prime but still strong enough to take on a four or a 70 year old man so yeah like the lawyer who was prosecuting this guy he knew he didn't have a chance of you know getting him for attempted murder so he decided to you know notch it down for bodily harm yeah grievous bodily harm or something like that so you know after making his forty thousand dollar bond uh mcelroy was soon back on the streets of skidmore 
And, uh, you know, not, not too long after being released, he was at the local D&G tavern. And uh, not only was he drinking at the tavern, but he brought in a hunting rifle with a bayonet attached to it. And, yeah, and there was a local who said, you know, like, in, in this town, you don't walk around with a bayonet attached to your gun. Like, that's, that means war. Everyone in this town, you know, they kind of, it's small town Missouri and, you know, the, the early 80s. Everyone has a gun, but the, the simple act of putting a bayonet on the end. Right. It, it, Even it though, that. you know, when you said um, how, um, you know, it was maybe a few years later after like the Wild Wild West, even though, you know, okay, okay, so maybe it's not, right? But it's a little bit Skidmore, later. I kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah, whatever. In Skidmore, though, it is the Wild Wild it, West. Yeah, it, it, they really haven't gotten too you know far what I mean? past that. No, they haven't. And it's a small town and people have guns and people, you know, if, if they're push enough, they will pull those well, guns out. If anyone's pushed far enough, you're gonna snap, right? That's just exactly. that's animal instinct, and even being a human, we we have animal instinct still. But uh, you know, he, he was hanging out at the bar with with his gun, with his bayonet. And not only that, but he was bragging about you know he's getting off with another charge. He, you know, he's feeling like a king. He's telling people he's gonna finish off Bowen Camp the first chance he gets. And uh, fuck, that's about the time the townspeople had enough. They they just weren't gonna take any more of Kenrex's shit. So apparently they had a town meeting. Yeah, yeah, at the town hall. Apparently, uh, more than you know, over half the adult population of this town attended. There was you know a hundred and some people there, including the sheriff Danny Estes, who uh, apparently uh, called for a neighborhood watch. Yeah, this. This Danny Estes, I, I don't know if I should love him or hate him. To be honest, because Ken Rex was such a piece of shit, I think th this Danny Estes character is the, the first sheriff I actually I respect. I like him. Because, you know, no one can say for certain what was discussed at that meeting, but from what happens next, I'm, uh, I'm sure you can all figure it out. So, Sheriff Estes drove out of town. It was, what it was, like a 12-minute... 15 minute drive out of Skidmore. Yeah, like he, he went to out. like a neighboring, you know, county, but he pretty much, he got the hell out of there right away. And that's the weird thing is he, he was at the meeting, so he knew what was going on. There's no so, way he didn't. Yeah, so McElroy got to the DNG Tavern and yeah, you know, he was brandishing his rifle. I, I even heard on the way out of town, like when Sheriff Estes was driving out of town, he actually passed by Ken on the way in and, and could see him and knew exactly where he was going. Yeah. In a post interview, Trina claims the vibe was very different that day at the tavern. Happy and joyful. They were getting free drinks, apparently. They were passing out pints, like, in the middle of the day. Some, some people even say, well, Trina mostly says that there was a different vibe from, um, you know, Ken. Like, yeah. he, you know, like, he knew something was... They, something they had a different. feeling that, yeah, they, it was kind of clear that everyone knew something that they didn't you know they, they almost knew that there was a town meeting i don't think they knew maybe that it was about them right but, but they yeah they they knew something was going on that's why they didn't stick around too long um when the couple left the pub and got into ken's pickup truck all of the pub's patron followed them outside and this is where i want to talk about you know the children well the adult of the corn the adult of the corn you know it I, i'm trying to think of like you know imagine you're just in your pickup truck with your, you know, your, you know, underage wifey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, she's of age. She, she, she was but, of age. Yeah, she was of age. He was of a age rapist. Wifey. We're going to give him that. For so, sure. and surrounded mm -hmm. by the townspeople that you've been terrorizing for years, probably what, like a yeah. few decades now. Apparently, all just staring at him, you know, just, just standing there, not moving. 
almost very cinematic. Whenever I whenever I think of it, I think of a beautiful slow motion movie scene. Right. I can see he's playing out Adult of the Corn. We're gonna so, we're gonna know, make that like know, Baby Driver style. Just like yeah, like Baby Driver, but. A, a lot darker. Yeah. And sources differ on how many wis- witnesses were there. Were, you know, their numbers as low as 30, some as high as 60. Yeah. And this was the middle of the day in a small town. After yeah, all. so, you know, there was a lot of people around. In a small town, people are pretty much always around, you know. They live close together. They only have, you know, one grocery store, like one hardware store, stuff like that. So this was right in the middle of like the the downtown district i guess of skidmore not that there really is like a downtown but you know on their main street so yeah a lot of a lot of people i'm sure saw it so as soon as ken fired up his engine first round was also fired only a fraction of a second later the truck was being bombarded by gunfire ken was struck multiple times including a kill shot to the back of the head this whole time that it was going on, Trina, his wife, was sitting in the passenger seat. Amazingly, didn't get hit at all. So whoever was oh, shooting... No, you got some good aim, man. Yeah. These guys are some shooters. Exactly. So, you know, local rednecks who've been shooting guns their yeah. whole lives. Yeah. Imagine not to hurt her one bit, which is, you know, that's awesome. But uh, she exited the vehicle in a terrified frenzy. She was screaming. There was gunfire. Uh, when Ken died, his foot hit the gas pedal of the truck. Uh, the truck was still in park, but it caused the engine just to roar and start smoking. Uh, you know, they continued to just light up his car or light up his truck, you know, just shooting, shooting. And, uh, you know, what probably seemed like an eternity to, eternity to Trina was, you know, only a few seconds. And the loudest event in Skidmore's history came to a deathly silence. Ken Rex McElroy's uh, truck sat there on the street with his bloody body inside. And most town folks simply just... They just went home or a lot of people left town, you know, went to, you know, quote unquote, clear their head. And, uh, you know, nobody called the police. Nobody called an ambulance. He sat there. Ken's body was found to have two different caliber slugs in his body, suggesting there was at least two shooters. Although it was more likely three or four. Yeah, or the whole fucking town. But, you know, for my witnesses, I think there was three shooters is what, what I'm gathering. What you'll find a lot in this story is, uh, you know, much like small town fishing stories, uh, numbers seem to get exaggerated and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I tried to read around as much as I could, and I think three shooters is what it sounds like. Ken's wife, Trina, claims to have seen exactly who shot her husband. But as for the other 59 potential witnesses, nobody saw a goddamn thing. Yeah, everyone had their heads down. Everyone was looking the other way. Um, and an investigation crazy. was launched, and Trina named Del Clement as the killer. Yeah, he was—he was a you know a cowboy known around town. Um, people say he was a really you know real good-hearted cunt. Really, you know, he helped out. He was just a a cowboy, really. So um, you know, it just seemed that there was no real investigation going on though. Cause... Not at all. In fact, twenty-nine years have passed since his death. To this day, no one has ever revealed the shooter's identity. Many residents of Skidmore even claim to know who did it and still won't say a thing. They won't say a word. You know what? And um, they claim to say, they say, oh no, I know exactly who did it. And interviewers are, will ask them, well, well, who was it? And they say, I, I won't say. And they say, well, will you tell the police? And they go, nope. You know, um, sometimes I think about how it's just like, it's like one evil or another evil. Because maybe, you know, there's something, you know, dark about that. If you think about it. Now they they're have going two rights don't make a wrong, pretty much. Yeah. Now there is a fact that there is killers 
in your town. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, people always say violence doesn't solve anything. I think sometimes, honestly, OB, I'm violence saying, is necessary. Sometimes a motherfucker needs to get slapped upside I'm, the head. I'm not here to say, like, extreme you know. extreme circumstances, might need to get shot in the head, you know? You don't know. I'm not here to say, like, you know, destruction leads to creation. It's a part of life. Yeah. But... Sometimes that destruction could lead to the creation of even more. The, the only reason, I, you know, the reason I do support these townspeople, you know, um, is because it's not like, you know, this guy was causing problems and they just went out and killed him. They did try to go the right way. They tried yeah. to, you know, charge him 21 times. Could you imagine how frustrating it would be if, you know, someone shot your father? And was taken to court and just let go for you know just completely let off because 21 he had the body and a better lawyer and, and, and the intimidation skills and, and you know just living in constant fear so they tried to do it the right way you know they did everything they could but honestly i fuck it might be wrong to say but i i think they they did what they had to do but you know you know they, they at least did what they believed they had to do you know they did what they did to keep their community safe and their families safe but on the other hand, since McElroy's death in 1981, there have been at least nine mysterious disappearances and deaths in Skidmore, uh, you know, ranging from, you know, suicides that seemed very staged, um, you know, young teens going missing completely out of the blue. And, you know, while nine cases in 30 years, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. You got to remember that this is a town of less than 300 people. It's it's smaller than most high schools that we've attended you know Trust me. Like, I, I was in a school of 2,000 people yeah exactly same so and if nine people went missing out of my school of 2,000 it would be alarming yeah so nine people out of out of 280 it it is a quite quite a large number so you know is it possible that Skidmore maybe breeds a culture of violence well everybody thank you so much for tuning in this week that's what we got for you a tale of vigilante justice and a, a town of no snitches, no narcs. I love them. Seems like a bunch of cool people. Uh, we're going to continue the weigh-in between OB and uh, Benny D next week. Yeah. Are you working hard? You been you been doing your stuff? Or oh, what? man. Yeah, it's been a little bit tough. But I, honestly, like, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm feeling a little bit smoother. You're feeling better, right? That's what matters, man. That's what matters. Are you eating celery? Here, Eat some there. fucking celery, dude. More cucumbers. You know? No. Oh, shit, yo. For all you listeners out there, I want you to know right now, you bring a fucking cucumber anywhere near me, I'm not... He I, has a spaz attack. Yeah, like, I won't talk to you ever again. I don't want to smell that shit. I don't want to look at that shit. Jared, it's in the fridge right now. I know, and I, I don't fucking like it. I, I, I've been eating three, uh, like, three pieces of spinach a day, so feeling pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Our, our engineer, Benny D's eating, you know, he's eating some spinach. He's doing the old Popeye diet. Yeah, it's Benny has, you know, Benny has the instat, you know, intelligence stats on diet. I have the wisdom stats on working out. So that's pretty much where we're at. You know what I mean? Like you should roll. You should roll a G twenty. See what fucking comes up. Yeah, actually, to be honest, we're gonna we're, we're gonna roll for that next week and do a weigh in and see how that goes. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna actually yeah throughout this week I'm gonna think of a challenge for you guys. You're gonna roll a D twenty and uh, there's gonna be something special for you listeners next week. I'm gonna figure it out. Don't you worry. Okay, I'm and down. As per usual, we want to end this episode with a. Uh, a small time band again if you ever want a your band or if you're a singer artist anything featured on this show send us an email and uh you know we'll see if we can get you on there this week 
is a song called Disco by Brass. This is one of my favorite fucking man, bands of some, all time. That was one of the first bands I watched uh, when I moved to Vancouver, man. Fucking. They go off. Band. They go off. This is yeah. something you're going to want to listen to for sure. So, yeah. uh, all right. Cheers, everybody. Uh, stay high. And please remember, don't cry over spilled milk. <laughs>